Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 589 of the podcast and it is Thursday 18th of November 2021 as I record this. In today's show, I'm talking to Talon Carmes, the CEO and co-founder of Deep Zen, which produces audio content with digital narration. Yes, it is AI voices for audiobooks. And of course, if you are a regular listener to the show, you will know I've been talking about this for years. And now finally, it looks like it is about to cross the threshold into the mainstream. So we talk about the question of quality for both fiction and non-fiction, why digital narration is such a necessity when the majority of the world's books are not available in audio and every language and every dialect, etc., how narrators can license their voices and make additional income streams, and yes, I hope to do that myself in 2022, cost of production and sales price, and when we might see mainstream adoption, plus Talon hints at more tools opening up to indie authors in the next few months. So we did record this before the news of Findaway's acquisition by Spotify. And although Findaway voices do not allow digital narration at this time, Spotify do allow music generated with AI. So perhaps that will open up other possible avenues. So we didn't talk about that because we recorded it earlier, but you never know. So I have done two audiobooks, short ones with Deep Zen co-writing a book which is not currently available with human narration and that is digitally narrated by Alice in a British English accent similar to my own. I also did A Thousand Fiendish Angels, three short stories across generations bound by a book of human skin, digitally narrated by William in a British male voice. Now I have narrated those short stories myself so they're available in my voice and then but William has this British male voice. And since two out of the three stories actually have male protagonists, I particularly enjoyed this version. So I've included a few minutes of each after the interview, and you can also purchase the entire audiobooks if you'd like to try them for 30% off at payhit.com forward slash the creative pen with discount coupon 2021, valid until the end of December 2021. <laughs> Links in the show notes. So that's at payhit.com forward slash the creative pen. And I have a section for digital narration. So I would love to hear your thoughts on the topic or the samples and all the samples. Please tweet me at the creative pen or leave a comment on the blog post, the show notes or the YouTube video or email me Joanna at the creative pen. So here's the interview. Taylan Karmis is the CEO and co-founder of Deep Zen Limited. So welcome to the show, Taylan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's so interesting to talk to you. So what is Deep Zen and why are you so passionate about AI for voice? Um, so Deep Zen is a synthetic voice company focusing on uh, creating human-like speech with um, emotion using AI. As a background, I was always interested in human-machine interaction. 
So the starting idea was to build a system that can read any text as a human book too, and it will be like indistinguishable. Um, then we start looking into the technical side, like what are the obstacles, whether the technology is there. Um, and like in the last three, four years, the, the deep learning, the AI has come um, so far. That's the, um, it is actually like we, we achieved what we were aiming for three, four years ago, like um, sooner than we were expecting. I think it is about productivity making it easier um so if you think about the, the content production six seven hours of recording editing for uh, one finished of hour of uh, finished content so it is historically i think it's hampered growth on the availability of the um, audio content especially in non-english languages so i would like to remove the barriers around the audio content creation and uh, make the content available to a wider audience uh, with a better and wider selection. So it is about think uh, the high level is about having a choice and availability. It's also, I think when you introduce a new technology, it also opens up um, new ways of looking at different businesses so publishing is one of our verticals. We also work as a platform company supporting online education businesses, synthetic video companies, but even in publishing, for example, there are some use cases that some publishers are actually experimenting with having an early audio version of the books that are going to be released like um, next year, for example, next season is an advanced copy and send them to the wire. So if you're a buyer who needs to go through like 12 books a week. It is also about the convenience. So I think making those content available to the uh, wider publishing community in different use cases is also about um, in improving the productivity, making life easier for the uh, for people. Yeah, I love that idea of the digital arc. I've heard that a couple of times now, and uh, we all think about selling them later on, but you're right. Uh, there are these other use cases. But let's just talk about what some people call the quality in inverted commas, because you said that mm -hmm. what you envisioned sort of three or four years ago has now come to pass. And certainly I'll be sharing my examples from Deep Zen on this show. But where do you think we are? Uh, people seem to think that nonfiction is better than fiction. Is that about the technology or is that about expectations of listeners around sort of actors and that kind of thing what where's the quality right now so currently we get great results with non-fiction um with little um editing i think the the key and we are looking the I mean, we have human inputs in our processes so you get the first natural language processing and the uh, speech system giving you the first version so although like we're a voice company we also build a system that can analyze the, the the context looking into the characters identify the genre uh, so all that information is like also passed to the system then we have the um, human inputs in terms of like the the editing more and more, it's actually uh, for the, especially for the non-fiction titles, the output that we are getting from the system is good enough that 
very little touch point is required, uh, which will actually help the authors because it means that we can provide it at a more reasonable cost point. So it will be like available, it will make um, the technology more available to the authors. I think the key part between fiction and nonfiction are the dialogues. So how is actually the story is told? Um, so we've been working really hard to actually on this the nature language processing system to actually like identify the character. So we are moving to the next stage in the development that we can actually a one voice. Um, the the AI can change the voice based on the story, the characters. And at some point, I think it will be available to have like multiple voices talking to each other. So it's kind of like a development, but you are right. So far, the nonfiction is we are getting better results and it needs a little bit more human um, input for the for the fiction side. Mm. It makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there are uh, fears around this, as there are about a lot of AI things. And one of the biggest is around AI, these synthetic voices taking jobs away from narrators and voice talent. So uh, I know you have an ethical statement on Deep Zen. So I'd love you to talk a bit about that. And also, what are your thoughts on this um, taking jobs thing from humans? I think the human and the AI systems can coexist. So we work with the narrator community and we license voices. So once we actually um, bring a new voice artist into our platform for each piece of work that we are actually completing using that artist's voice, we pay back a royalty scheme back to the artist. And we use pseudonym names and it is actually an additional um, revenue stream. So if you think about the physical limitations of um, recording and in like how many titles can actually a voice artist can complete in a year. So if you actually extrapolate, I mean, if you introduce AI and like make it available in different use cases, different different countries, it will be an additional, I see it as a contribution to the narrator's mainstream work, and they don't have to do anything for that. So we have some cases, for example, especially on the, for example, on the language training uh, side, we have overseas customers using uh, UK-based narrators to create content. So normally those people wouldn't be uh, coming into UK markets to hire a voice artist narrator. So that's kind of, for example, an additional revenue stream that wouldn't normally be coming to that uh, narrator's voice side. And it, I think it's also the scale. Um, it's about the scale. So there are, um, just to give you the idea, there are 50 million ebooks. I think above 50 million uh, print titles. And so far, the audiobook numbers are around like half a million. And if you think about it, it's 90% is in English. So there's no way you can actually make, and if you think about like Americans, Audible started starting this like 20 years, 25 years ago, there's no way you can make all this content, um, the ebooks, 50 million ebooks available in audio content in audio format without having some sort of like AI solution involved. And if you 
And the, when you look into like the other markets, non-English markets like French, German, Spanish, the numbers are like really, really minuscule. So I think around in, in Germany, where you have the highest spending per capita for books, um, we have around like 30,000 titles in French, I think like less than 15,000. So there's a huge disparity between the availability. So I think AI is going to make that content available in a larger scale. And in our model, what we actually want is the, the narrators to benefit from that. So we want to share the, the value created by using AI with the, uh, with the narrator community. That's kind of like our approach uh, from the beginning. No, I love that. And that's why I've chosen to make my first books with uh, Deep Zen, because I like that ethical statement. I think that's really great. And I'm using one of those voices. And in fact, I agree that, I mean, we absolutely must get more content into audio, not just in English, but as you say, in all these languages where they don't have such a mature audiobook market. But even, even in English, so I've just done a short story, which I read myself. So I'm obviously British female. And the voice I used from Deep Zen is a British male, the voice of William. And what I like is the ability to make more versions of our audio in different voices that might either help the story or just that people like to listen in accents that reflect their own life experience. So perhaps an American might like to listen, an American female might like to listen to that voice, whereas I like to listen to British female. So I, I see that there's also opportunities for multiple voices within a language or even multiple accents, for example. You know how many accents there are in, in each different language. So I see this as almost even bigger than just language. Yes, I, I mean, the other example I would give is the Edward Herman example. So he, um, Edward Herman was a very well-known and liked, um, he was an American artist and also audiobook narrator. He passed away in 2014. We actually got in touch with his estate family. Uh, we licensed his voice. We used old recordings, audiobook recordings. Now his, um, legacy goes on. So we are actually able to produce audiobooks. He's one of the most uh, favorite narrators in our system. So it is it's actually like even, it, it is possible. So all the AI also like makes all these like different use cases possible. So one of the, also the other things that we are thinking about is also introducing a narrator program. So working with the narrators, creating a digital replica of their voices and get them on board with our system. Um, then we are thinking about opening the system, the software to the narrators, and they can actually like create books, produce books using their own uh, voices, but the synthetic versions of them. So it will enable them to actually produce a higher number of output. For example, they can keep on doing the human narration, or they can use the automated AI version and go and like edit the, the book and they can actually produce it through their own voices. So that's one of the things that we're actually currently exploring about as well. 
Yes, well, that is absolutely what I want to do. So I'll be accustomed <laughs> for you as soon as I can be. You I think, do it, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because for my own audiobooks, because I now I've experienced the quality of yours. So even if I just get the AI model to read it and it's 90, even if it's 90% or 80%, you know, complete and, and I'm happy, then you, there's just the little edits that have to be done. You know, that just makes things a lot easier. So I think that's going to be brilliant and that will put the power into the hands of the narrators because then they can be the ones to say okay I'm I can do more work this way as as you said um but th- that brings in a question about what is digital narration though because at the moment a lot of the the big audiobook platforms don't allow digital narration but if it's actually a licensed voice of a real human that's mastered by an AI or whatever that that seems to cross a line like I wonder what the definition will be at that point yeah it is an interesting question actually so I think it's uh it's a timing question so it is not like if but the run question uh for the adoption and I think I, we can like refer it to the some of the research work. I think the Audio Publishers Association, they did a consumer survey. I think they are saying that the broad acceptance of AI narrators, um, 81% saying that they will still be interested in listening an audiobook narrated using a high quality artificial intelligence model, AI voice. And they say like 58% saying discovering a book that they enjoy AI narrated has no impact on their opinion. So I think it's going to become, might be early days, but I think it's going to become norm, something like um, going to, it's going to, as the acceptance increases, I think there's going to be an amalgamation of like human voice and the AI voice. I mean, there are some platforms that are actually helping um, podcast or podcast producers to actually edit some of the pickup sessions or the changes using the synthetic copy of their voices. So it is like the human narration plus the AI kind of edit. Um, so what our technologies they can actually enable the other way around. So you can actually like create the whole content. So we are advanced enough uh, to give you the ability to create the whole content in a synthetic version of your voice. It's very similar to yours. Um, then you have the, the control. You can actually, like, if you are doing the editing, then it wouldn't be like any different to like your own output. So I think it's going to be a convergence of the two in terms of the uh, terms of the near future. Mm. Yeah. And so in terms of sort of right now, or at least in the next year or two, how are you selling um, audiobooks, distributing and selling? What platforms are allowing AI narrated audio? Obviously, for independent authors, it's not possible at the moment, but I think Deep Zen has some distribution already. Yes, we've been... I mean, starting from day one, we've been really careful about the quality and how we um, communicate with both the publishers, authors, and the retailers. So we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want it to come something like uh, subpar quality. So that enabled us to secure the, the, the distribution rights. So we can actually, so the deep sound, if you are, uh, producing the content we can actually distribute our content 
to 50 different retailers and streaming services and the libraries through the partnership, um, partnership distribution partnerships agreement, distribution partnership agreements that we signed. So we are actually thinking about um, making that available to the independent authors. Um, I like if you are actually working with us and if you are getting a digitally narrated audiobook produced with us, we will be offering that distribution service to our own um, distribution agreements. And we can make that content available in the different platforms. So far, it will be restricted to our own um, distribution channel. But mm. I think like with the wider acceptance, um, I think they will, the, the other platforms will probably going to be accepting directly in um, later stages. I think the exception, the uh, exception is audible so far. And I think they're also looking into it. They are, they are big part of the ecosystem, obviously. And they're also, I think, looking into how they can introduce AI-generated content into the platform in the near future. Yes, I mean, obviously owned by they're owned by Amazon and Amazon have Amazon Polly which is another AI voice and uh, I imagine that they might want to develop their own ecosystem <laughs> <laughs> I can't go into too much detail I no, mean they, uh, they, they, there are some works uh, in process but it I'm is sure. the, the I think the beauty I think the good thing having deep sun available um, to the uh, authors and the publishers, we are independent. So I think the key thing is like if you are going with one of these like larger, bigger platforms, um, that it comes with the conditions attached to it. So you don't have like you, you have to make it exclusive to one platform. You can't do it in the other one. So I think we are platform agnostic, neutral, and that's actually a good thing to give the choice back to, to the authors and the publishers in terms of like where they want to list their content, how they can distribute their content, what, how they can actually maximize the, the value that they are going to be driving from the, their content, their work. So I think I'm playing a really critical role in terms of staying independent and providing that platform, the equally good um, technical platform to, to the wider publisher an author community. Mm. And Justin, I know you might not be able to answer exactly, but is there a roadmap in terms of timeline for opening up to authors? Because I I've, I kind of feel like I've been talking about this for a few years and everyone laughs at me and says, oh, it's years and years away. So how long do you think it will be before uh, this is possible for independent authors? Oh, for us, basically, using Deep Sands uh, technology, you mean? Yes, yeah. Okay, we actually, um, it's very soon. So it is actually, we started to make it available. So we built a publisher portal. So if you go to portal.deepsand.io um, and you can actually sign up to our portal, give your business details, upload your manuscript and that, that service is actually now available. <laughs> yes, that's the service I've just used to do yes. two audiobooks. But I mean, when would we be able to distribute through Deep Zen to other, to you said the 50 retailers, for example? 
we are aiming to do it before the end of the year. Oh, great. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. Yes, and we are working. Um, there's some infrastructure that needs to be put in place in terms of like how we are going to be managing it. So there's some development work that's been currently done, but we would like to do it as, uh, yeah, as soon as possible. Well, that would be great. Um, then in that case, I want to ask about price because there's a couple of things with price. On the one hand, people think, oh, it should be really, really cheap to do AI voice, whereas, of course, as it's technology and it still has, you know, it's got a lot of value. Uh, so it, even though it might be cheaper than um, necessarily hiring a famous narrator, it's still got costs. But then also, so that's the cost on the one hand, will that come down? And on the other hand, the pricing is there an expectation that the pricing of an AI narrated audiobook should be cheaper because it's not a human? So what, what's happening with, the, with both the costs and the revenue when it comes to AI? So there is the, in terms of the cost structure on our side, the, the human input part. So the, we have two tiers of uh, services. The first one is um, if you want the, the quality QC process, if you would like to kind of like give inputs and if you want us to change and make edits on the book, then it requires a rigorous process with the editors and it increases the cost on our side. So currently it's around like $100 um, per finished hour, $130, that, that price range. And the majority is actually the human editing which is involved in that um, but now we are getting confident to a level that we can actually eliminate some of that process and especially for the non-fiction the content is um, actually good enough to be distributed with minimal uh, human touch so that we will be enabling the price uh, point to come down to around like around like $50 per finished hour, 50 to $40, 40 to $50 range that we are looking into. Uh, but that wouldn't have the, uh, that service wouldn't have the same QC process, but we will be doing like the lexicon, so the pronunciation is going to be perfect. But small changes, maybe like if you want to pause after certain words, like very detailed mm. editing, that won't be available. You need to rely on the machine's accuracy. And like we are, actually like getting very confident that this is actually like it, 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 the minimal input we can get a really high quality output from that which will actually which we will be uh, passing the, the savings to the customers in terms of the pricing whether it should be cheaper the ai content um not necessarily i think the value of the contents the the intellectual uh, value and how it is produced are a little bit separate things so you don't necessarily have to pass it but the, ultimately if you think about it the availability and the choice um, I think price was a, one of the barriers that actually stop more content being available right mm. so it is the I think my expectation is like as we pass along these savings um, then it will be more feasible to break even and like start making money with a smaller number of uh, copies that are sold, which will actually like help 
the authors and the publishers to um, price them more reasonably so they will be probably like more competitive so that's that's kind of like how i'm thinking i think long term it will help the um it will help the uh, price points to come down while actually keeping the same amount of returns uh, to the publishers mm. yeah i think it's gonna it's, there's gonna be a lot of different options within the next few years and that will change but i agree with you i think the content is is one thing the other thing i'm interested in is i used to think that we were trying to replicate human voice and obviously we're trying to replicate emotion and that kind of thing but i think it's important that we are labeling things as digitally narrated for example and i'm even putting like labels on my on the audiobook cover so that they can be easily recognized as digitally narrated because i i feel like that's also to be embraced it, the you know the, there are special things about audio narration uh, as there are special things about uh, human narration and we don't want to try and fake it in a way so do you think that we need to encourage this kind of different labeling in order to encourage trust from people or do you think it doesn't matter because people will just listen whatever so we advise as the best practice to do it in the metadata to actually label it in the way that like it's synthesized with the digital voice of the, the narrator or the pseudonym that's that's how we kind of like see it to be like open and frank with the with the customer with the community so i think yeah, i agree with you that's something that we are recommending and i think that will be um showing the distinction would be probably beneficial in the long term Mm, great. So we've talked a bit about what's happening right now. When do you see this being completely accepted by both the publishing industry and by listeners? Are we talking five years, 10 years? When will AI narration just be mainstream? A um, couple of years. I don't think that it will take five years. I think it will be probably with different use cases, probably more um on the fiction side. So we've been working on this for three, four years now. And the content is, is actually, um, we see the, the reports, the content is actually like consumed in like libraries, different platforms, people are actually paying for it. So I think it's just the mindsets and also probably the bigger platforms and the publishers are like slowly adopting it, but it is, um, Maybe the change should come from the authors and the narrators that it is actually like the more people are actually like using it, taking the advantage. And we would like to be the platform that is actually enabling it rather than like the big parties controlling it and just like doing it in one go. So I think um, the way I see it is, yeah, the next couple of years, I think it will start to emerge definitely in um, non-English markets because um, we get quite a lot of inbound requests from like German publishers, French publishers, because the if you think about the audio, um, all these services are actually bringing in more people as the subscribers, users, and they want to give them a good experience and people want the content in their native language languages. And all the studios in Germany like what we are actually hearing is, is they're all full 
full time, like even if you want to pay premium prices. And if you get the narrators, there's not enough like studio capability or capacity to get your book on time. So I think it will be a probably a earlier adoption in non-English markets. That's what I'm expecting. And that will drive the change probably in US and UK. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the the non-English language services, you know, will want this more and then it will drive everything forward and then the rest of us will be like, yeah, we want to get involved. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, our our thinking is like if for the publishers, so rather than waiting for if these, um, I think you can get your contents in audio now in a more reasonable price point so you can actually like and it is like if you are thinking about rights we are talking about five to seven years um there are some platforms that are actually like currently that you can sell your content then once like also the for example in the audible question once um they start selling then you will have um an early start for example you will have your content rather than like try to get um everything or like adopted at that stage so i think early adoption is key in in this case and it is certainly not gonna be like four or five years time it's gonna be like next year and the year after i think we will see a big mass shift Mm. in in that in in a massive scale Excellent. Well, I've been excited about this for years, so <laughs> I'm, glad it's, I'm glad it's finally happening. So um, where can people find Deep Zen and uh, online? Where can everyone find you? Sure. Our address is, uh, web address is deepzen.io. Um, for the authors, they can sign up to our portal at uh, portal.deepzen.io. And if you have any queries, then the email is hello at deepzan.io. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Taylor. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right, so I hope you found the interview interesting with Taylan. I will now share two clips of my digitally narrated audiobooks produced by Deep Zen, and they'll just be a couple of minutes of each so you get the idea. First, co-writing a book digitally narrated by Alice, and then Sins of Violence from A Thousand Fiendish Angels digitally narrated by William in a British male voice. So here you go. Chapter 2. Benefits of Co-Writing There are a number of benefits to co-writing that make it well worth trying. 1. Two or more heads are creatively better than one. Joanna was skeptical about co-writing for years, and many indie authors are on the high end of the control freak spectrum. That's why we're indies. But then she did the online James Patterson writing masterclass, and he talked about some of the greatest creative collaborations. His most memorable example was John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and Joanna was convinced it was worth a try. Sometimes two people can create something really amazing and unique, so it's worth the risk to see what you can do together. 2. Fun and partnership. Collaboration is fun. There's a healthy positive feedback loop when you co-create art, because you're in it together. Let's face it, most of our spouses, family and friends, don't get our writing. Once we've written a number of books, they're not even that interested in the latest project. 
Therefore, being able to share the excitement of a new plot twist or cover mock-up with your co-creator can be exciting, and writing is no longer a solitary process. You also get to share the financial rewards, the excitement of publication, and the ups and downs of the reviews over time. This level of fun was even more apparent in the four-author collaboration we did in New Orleans. Although we all identify as introverts, we enjoyed spending time talking about writing over story meetings, creole dinners, and even cultural outings like the Museum of Death. Let's face it, you can't take your mum or your non-writer friends there. 3. Sharing the workload. Yes, you only have to do half the number of words. Or even fewer if you have more writers. We finished the first draft of Risen Gods in 19 days, which was a first for both of us in terms of speed. It was a rush to see the words piling up every day, and addictive to see how far we could get together. We shared the editing and production aspects, and we made joint decisions about the map for the front of the book and the book cover. Writing and publishing a book as an indie author is hard work, so sharing the load can make it a whole lot easier. For sacrifice, we finished the first draft in a week between the four of us. 4. Accountability You know those days when you really don't feel like writing? You're tired and grumpy, and your brain is fuzzy. You're busy at work, the family needs your attention, and the last thing you want to do is put fingers to keyboard. If you know that someone will be waiting for your words later that day, you find yourself pushing through, no matter how you feel. Chapter 3. Sins of Violence 30 Years Later An explosion rocked the air, raining chunks of masonry and glass down from the building above. Ari and Sybil dived behind the hulk of a ruined truck, rolling underneath to shelter from the hail of debris. It's getting closer. Sybil's voice was tinged with a longing for battle, and Ari knew her friend wanted to be back there, fighting deep in Sector 35. The Corps was the only family they had now, a renegade team trying to restore order to a tiny corner of the desolate planet. Once the dust had settled, Ari rolled out from under the vehicle. The war won't end while we take a few hours off. She sprang to her feet, her lithe body as fast as a wildcat. Time off. Sybil laughed as she brushed herself down. I haven't heard that expression since before the contagion. Come on. We need to keep moving. Ari scanned the scene, acutely aware that they were off their patch, deep into untamed territory, but she had to risk running this gauntlet. It was almost too late. The message had arrived a few days before, passed through the networks that kept communication alive on this forsaken continent. Elise was about to be blessed, and Ari couldn't let that happen. Even though she hadn't seen her sister for 15 years, she still remembered her blonde curls and the way her skin smelled after a bath, back in the days when they were still possible. The little girl's innocent giggle stuck most in her mind, the last thing she heard before she was led away for her own blessing. She would not let that same violation happen to Elise. Ari and Sybil darted between the ruined buildings of the empty quarter, eyes drawn to every shadow. The area was only designated empty, so that it could be written out of any rescue plan. But ferals lurked here among the untamed, and plague victims eked out a pitiful existence in its shattered world. You've never told me what happened back then, Sybil said. 
Ari looked ahead, avoiding her gaze. I'll tell you when I come back out again. If I come back out again. It's a long story. Thanks for coming with me. Sybil shook her head, dismissing the gratitude. Just don't expect me to stop asking for some answers. They walked on, alert for danger. The empty quarter had once been a business hub, with high-rise office buildings, boutique shops and restaurants. A center of commerce in the days when people had first world concerns. Could they afford private education for their children? Which new car would be most fuel-efficient and safe? Those were the days when people didn't need to know practical skills, like how to grow crops, or fix farm equipment, or even how to fight and defend their families. The end of that life had come before Ari was born, but she had seen its reflection in her mother's eyes as she stumbled to draw water daily from the public well. Her mother's naivety in the face of disaster had resulted in her own birth, a child of rape in the days when defense of the country became more important than protecting the innocent within its borders. Now the turning was legend, with many tales told of how the days of plenty had been ended by the contagion. So I hope you found the interview with Taylan interesting. And if you're considering digital narration, it looks like 2022 will see costs come down and opportunities for distribution go up. So exciting times. Now, remember, you can also buy the entire digitally narrated audiobooks or the human ones, if you like, uh, on my Payhip store. Just go to payhip.com forward slash the creative pen. You can use discount coupon 2021 for 30% off anything in the the store. That's all my ebooks and audiobooks, including the digital narration, valid until the end of 2021. I'd also love to hear your thoughts on this topic or the samples. So please tweet me at the creative pen or leave a comment on the blog post or the YouTube video or email me joanna at thecreativepen.com. So on Monday, I'm talking to MK Williams about how to stop asking for permission, the mistakes that helped her become more successful as an author, and how to cultivate patience for the long-term author career. So happy writing, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time. <laughs>